Good morning, gorgeous. How are you ladies doing this morning? This is your host, Dr. Michelle, and you're listening to A Feminine Impression. I hope you're all doing well. I know, I know, I know, it's been a while, but I do have more episodes on the way. The next episode will be my answers to those of you ladies who left voice messages for me. So look out for that. But today I have a special podcast where I'm being interviewed by Dr. A.O., who is a medical doctor. He has a networking page, a travel agency, and a podcast called Back to Basics. And he interviewed me for his podcast. And I wanted to share our session here with you ladies as we discuss the subject of self-love amongst other things. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Yo, what up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Back to Basics Podcast with your host, A.O. Man, y'all can clearly see I'm having a good time with this, right? So this heat is not going to stop. It must not stop. All right. We have an amazing guest today, Dr. Michelle, who is a phenomenal human being, y'all. You know, I got introduced to Dr. Michelle by a mutual friend. And the first thing that I did when he told me about her is I went on her YouTube to learn more about her body of work. And when I tell y'all, I was immediately impressed. In particular, what Dr. Michelle talks about and what is becoming or what is her life work. You know, we had a conversation briefly about this concept of self-love and self-care and, you know, the way that she was able to express um, her thoughts on this. I thought it was incredible. And I asked her, you know, what better way to actually, you know, learn more about it than actually sharing it with the community. So we're excited to have her on the episode today and wanted to learn a little bit about her, her family and uh, essentially how she got into this space, you know, and. As you all know right now, especially with the advent of social media, it's so important for us to practice self-love. It's so important for us to be able to go into situations with the utmost confidence. It truly is very, very critical. Uh, So Dr. Michelle is going to be speaking on self-love and self-care and ultimately how to increase your confidence through these uh, mechanisms. Uh, Dr. Michelle, we're so excited to have you today. Can you please uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate all of those words. Well, my name is Dr. Michelle, and I work as an educational psychologist, school psychologist, and I'm also a content creator on YouTube and a podcaster. I have a a wealth of knowledge in different areas in terms of mental health and brain functioning. I have a doctorate in education, specifically in school psychology. And I work with adolescents in terms of helping them with their emotional regulation, assessing them for different disabilities, um, such as like autism and learning disabilities, emotional disabilities. I work with students in terms of helping them learn how to socialize and how to develop themselves as people and gain skills to be able to live in this world. And in addition to that, my content on YouTube is mainly for women, and it's teaching them how to care for themselves holistically as women through feminine education, through mental wellness, um, spirituality, connecting with 
um, God and, and learning about who they are and where they come from and beauty and lifestyle, teaching them how to care for their physical bodies and love their physical bodies and learn how to interact with each other and with men in a way that allows them to live fully and in their feminine essence and um, create a balanced relationship for those people who are seeking that. So I do a lot of different things, but it all really is connected. Yeah, that's that's truly amazing. And the, the first thing that I was uh, that I seen, I was like, man, she literally does everything. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. I was going to ask, where exactly did the inspiration come from to go from, you know, your didactic training, being uh, a, a psychologist to venturing off? Like, at what point did you receive inspiration to be able to venture off into that different space? Well, initially, I growing up, I'm, I came from Ghana. I was born in, in America, but my family is from Ghana, so I'm first generation. And when we're younger, we're sort of told that we have to have these professional jobs and choose one and kind of just go in that direction. So I always knew that I needed to go through the steps in terms of my education, but I always wanted to hold on to the passions of what I feel my gifts are. And um, that really is creativity, whether it's like modeling or creating content on YouTube. So when YouTube sort of blooms, like, wow, this is perfect. I can do what I want while I'm doing what they want. And in that, I initially started doing um, videos on femininity and teaching women how to care for their, their hygiene and that. And it just wasn't, I didn't feel motivated to do it. I felt like I was going to run out of things to talk about. So I just sort of um, branched out into talking about hair. And that was fine, but it wasn't really fulfilling to me. And it wasn't until I got maybe about six or seven years into my career as a psychologist where I started noticing a lot of patterns um, with parents mm. and they're the women, specifically mothers, single mothers who were just struggling. And when they would talk with me um, and also like women, when I would speak at conferences, like at churches or other events, I was noticing that there were patterns in the things that were leading to their children having major emotional issues or the patterns in which caused them to end up in the circumstances that they're in. And I thought it would be amazing for me to be able to kind of do it in, I guess, like the opposite way and educate women on how to maybe avoid having these things happen. Now that I found out like what the culprits were and it'll also impact their children directly. I wouldn't have as many teenagers suffering if their parents, especially their mothers, were able to learn these things. It, we would be able to avoid so many other things from happening. And um, a lot of the issues were just really basic things like self-care and being able to make goals for themselves, being able to choose partners appropriately and understanding what qualities they needed to have as a woman to be able to attract the men that they really wanted to have. And um, all of it just seemed like something that I could, I could help with um, in, in YouTube. <laughs> so I started kind of recreating my content to serve 
these women, especially in the low income communities where they don't get any help in terms of self-development, in terms of mental health, it's unfair. And I felt like, you know, I have a voice and I have the time, <laughs> so I should be doing something about it. And that's kind of how I was able to bridge the two areas. I think that's amazing. You know, you, you mentioned something uh, very important. I had a, a, a very interesting self-realization. Um, I, like I had to literally understand myself, a part of myself this year. And one of the things that I learned is that oftentimes we don't fully grasp or it's not fully in front of us of how important, um, you know, the way we were brought up informs the people that we ultimately become. You know, we're oftentimes thinking about, oh, man, you know, you know I, I have these certain behaviors or I have these certain tendencies. And a lot of times you don't know where it comes from. And if you are somebody fortunate to have parents in your life, you can literally look back and, and see certain tendencies. You know, I see certain tendencies in my mother and father, and it, it makes it make so much sense. So I, I find it interesting, you know, um, what you mentioned previously, how, you know, a lot of, you know, um, people, you know, overall, we, we become these individuals, but, you know, very seldom do we actually understand why we are behaving the way that we are. That is so crucial. I mean, it's wonderful that you were able to even trace back to, you know, how you were able to develop some of those traits, because you're right, a lot of people, it's not until they get into adulthood that they're able to reflect and start to see the patterns and start to understand, wow, this is why I act this way. <laughs> and it's usually not until they've kind of realized it and overcome it to where it's a lot more in their face where they're seeing their parents do something. And it's like, oh, wow, I just did that yesterday and got called out for it. And this is kind of how I was raised. So it's, it's great that you were able to pinpoint it so that you could fix it and know that it is something that can be changed because a lot of times the way that we're raised, we think that that is how things are supposed to be. And you think that it's just how you are and it's not a behavior, mm -hmm. you know, it's not something that you can actually change and it is. And so I think that's, I think it's great that you've done that. For sure. For sure. I want to pivot and, and get your thoughts uh, and learn more from you as it relates to kind of just this concept of self-love. You know, we think about self-love especially with the advent of social media, you know, from a, from a professional's uh, point of view, what are your thoughts overall on self-love? And I guess some of, some of the factors that ultimately contribute to why we don't, you know, love ourselves or treat ourselves uh, the way we should be treating ourselves. I think self-love is a very interesting concept, especially now that it's become a widely used term. I, I maybe have a different philosophy on self-love. I believe that we all have self-love. I believe we were all born with self-love and we are fighting to keep it. We're fighting everything else in the world that's attempting to take it away from us. And that's really how I perceive self-love, not as something that you need to get, but something that you need to preserve. Mm. Um, and so it's difficult to preserve you know, the love that you have for yourself because the world also tells you that you need to operate in a completely different way to be able to get noticed, um, attention, to be able to get the things that you want in life. So most of us are just focused on working all the time and overworking to the point where 
we're not able to say no to things. And, you know, that's a very simple but serious form of self-love is being able to know when to say, I can't do that. It's too much. I have too much on my plate. Um, so, you know, people are constantly fighting for your time. People a lot of times um, have been, I, I believe, brainwashed to feel that they are not able to do things for themselves and they feel guilty for doing things for themselves, whether it's because they came from an environment where they didn't have much. So maybe now they're at the point in their lives where they have more, but they don't feel comfortable spending money on themselves to maybe get a massage because they're so tense from work and the life just stress. They're so tense and their body aches, but they feel like a massage is a luxury that is reserved for rich people. Mm. And it's not a, a form of self-care, just like going to the gym. So um, I think a lot of it is perception and raising. A lot of us, unfortunately, are caring for only specific parts of ourselves and we're not loving ourselves fully in terms of identifying and addressing all of the areas that we need to tackle, like not just our physical bodies and working out and eating clean, but your spiritual side, you know, that is, you know, we are spirits in human form. So if that's not being identified at all, then you're, you're really neglecting a serious piece of your being. And um, people are not spending any time just with themselves, like in silence, because maybe they feel like they don't have the time to ever just sit in silence and think. So our, our minds are really not being, being preserved and we're doing things to, again, take away from ourselves, like overly drinking and relying on drugs and um, things of that nature to soothe us because we're not really getting to the core of our being. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that's, that's, it, it's tough, you know, and, you know, social media certainly does not make it uh, any better, right? <laughs> you know, I, have a few, I have a few friends and they always tell me how, you know, I have, a, I'm very opinionated on social media. There are times when I'm on and there are times where I literally just log off um, and just don't want anything to do with it. And someone made an interesting comment to me and it, it really did change my perception of social media. And literally it's a tool. That's literally all it is, you know, because there are people who are using social media to, to do wonderful things like yourself. Right. But there are other people who are literally just consumers of social media and in that format and way it becomes very destructive. So, you know, I, I, I do believe that social media has a lot to do with how our mental health, um, ultimately shapes out. But again, you know, it really just depends on the ways that you plan on utilizing social media to, to benefit yourself and, and your audience. That is, that is so true. Social media does have a, it does play a large role, especially with our children and our adolescents. Um, they're the ones that are, I think, the most affected by social media in terms of just the comparisons. I mean, we all do it, but it is different when you are young because you don't have um, any buying power. You don't have the ability to make money or the ability to take yourself on vacation, but you can see someone down the street doing it. And before, before social media, you didn't know what other people had. You know, if you didn't know someone and you're all in the same apartment building and you think, okay, we're all living the same lifestyle, you didn't know. But now you realize the person that's living next door to me 
has all these things that I don't have, even though we're in the same community, there's something wrong with me. And that comparison really does end up being detrimental. Mm. And you're right. It is a tool. It is a tool. And I think people are catching on to that more. And it, and I think it, it is a really wonderful tool for people who are seeking certain things because it does create communities, which is nice. So you don't feel alone in, in everything. Like maybe in the past, you may think something is only your issue and you find out, okay, it's not only my issue. A lot of people have it as well. So it really does depend on how you use it. But most people use it to kind of kill time. And then in that, they end up getting hurt, you know. So true. It's so true. I wanted to ask you about your day to day. You know, I think that uh, overall individuals who have reached a certain level, they, you know, it's I would say that it's, it's difficult to reach a certain level without cultivating certain habits. Right. You know, when you look at very successful people, it's almost like they have this very strict routine that they do every single day and I and, you know the other day I was watching a podcast by uh it was a podcast um Joe Rogan he was uh speaking on uh the power of habits and you know some of the examples that he gave I found quite interesting and the parallels of you know successful people and the things that they do on a day-to-day basis and I wanted to ask you what does your typical day look like you know are there certain things that you have to do in the morning to ensure that you have an overall productive day Absolutely. And I rely heavily on my morning routine because it sets the tone for my entire day. So um, I think what's really important is trying your best to wake up early. Most people wake up a few minutes to be able to kind of rush and, and get something to eat and throw something on and get out of the house. But if you can wake up at least an hour and a half earlier than you normally do, it's a great way to be able to start your day and feel like, okay, you're up before the rest of the world. You have this confidence of feeling like you have a head start on things. Um, So I wake up early and I spend time praying and just sort of clearing my mind for the day and just getting that spiritual strength and um, mindset for whatever the day is bringing me. And I spend time reading. Reading is necessary. Most adults don't read. And after high school, it's over. Or after college, when they have to stop reading textbooks, there's no more reading for leisure or reading for growth. We all have different areas in our lives, no matter what point we're at, where we're going to need knowledge. And it's important to not just go on social media and, and just read a bunch of quotes from random people, but read things that professionals have written, that things that have been researched, um, personal stories of people that you probably would never speak to, and just get a better understanding of yourself and of life. That's very important. And it also relaxes you. And then I'll eat something um, in the morning. I really do rely on the things that I eat for my fuel. It's important for me to eat something in the morning and not skip breakfast. I also, if I can, I also like to do a workout. So there was a time in my life where I would wake up at three in the morning and do a workout bright and early. And that really helps you just blaze through your day. You have more energy, you feel more confident, and it 
sort of crosses it off the list. You feel successful that you've done something that most people are not doing at all. And it's, it's off of your list for the day. You have the rest of your day to do what you want. So that's usually what I'll do in the morning. I don't go on social media in the morning if I do not have to. I don't check emails or things like that until I go to work. Um, anything that could possibly offset my mood, I do not do until I'm out of the house. And on the way to work, maybe I'll listen to a podcast or something inspirational, listen to music, and just things that are going to give me that, that positive supply for the rest of my day. Wow. You said you do not uh, you know, open your phone and check social media in the morning. That is something you need to teach me. <laughs> you know, it's, such a, it's so difficult to not check your phone. Like, what did you... Has it always been that way? Have you always kind of just like put the phone to the side or has it been something that you had to cultivate and a habit that you had to develop? It's a habit I, I developed over time um, because I noticed that I could have been doing really well emotionally in the morning and then I'll go online and I'll see something that just totally throws me off and makes me feel angry or emotional um, and it's like I could have I could have waited. This is something I could have waited to see. I didn't need to see this right now because and that's more hours of my day I'm spending dealing with those emotions that I didn't need to. So and then I just noticed that it just becomes a lot of people just become a slave to their phone, that they open their eyes and they grab their phone and they're the first thing that they do is look at what other people are doing. And to me, it's like you're not even really living your life. That's not that to me, that's you're letting something else control your mind. And um, I don't want to be controlled by anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm interested in your, uh, in your um, practice. Um, what I think, you know, what fascinates me is this, this notion of the switch, you know, when somebody makes the switch and they're able to realize what is going on and, and act on that. Uh, overall, in your practice as a psychologist, have you ever had any um, patients, right, that you have you know, been working with and counseling where they literally started off as individuals with these, these self-destructive thoughts and ultimately through counseling, they literally became a, a, a different person. Have you seen that thus far? Absolutely. Yes. Hmm. Typically that's one of those things where it is, it's a process. It's not an overnight switch usually and sometimes it is i've seen people kind of the light bulb just goes on like maybe they were right there and they just needed those words and so typically what i've seen sort of open the door for people is when they started to focus on internal things that have been neglected like their personal gifts or their personal interests whether it's art or music playing an instrument um, things that, you know, society kind of tries to push you away from at a young age. It's kind of like initially when you're little, they give you a lot of art projects. Kids can do so much um, playing and creating. And then all of a sudden, it's like no more of that. And it's a big part of people in some way. And a lot of times opening that door helps people to be able to release in a different way. And, and get that confidence that they need to deal with other issues that they're having in their life. And for some people, it's, it's just a complete wake-up call for them. It gives them a passion to strive towards. I know for me personally, working with teenagers, 
most people, when they find out that I do that, their the first reaction is always like, "Oh my gosh, are, I'm so, I feel so bad for you." People are just terrified of teenagers for some reason, mm-hmm. and it's interesting that I always get that reaction. I always say, "I love teenagers." I mean, they are literally a product of their parents and their environment. They are not doing anything outside of what they've been exposed to. So, who are we really? upset with at this point. It's not the teenagers, but motivating teenagers is probably one of the most challenging and most rewarding things because teenagers are at a point where they're bright enough to understand what's really going on, but they're not old enough to be able to do anything about their situations usually. So they rely solely on your motivation and they pretty much live off off of their faith in what you're saying and how you're helping them um, because that's all they have. So it's helped me to really understand how to motivate people. And that's something I I implement into my YouTube channel. I've had the experience of working with people who truly are and feel hopeless because they're not in control. Mm, That is so interesting. You know, I, as you were speaking, I'm thinking about situations where, you know, ideally as parents, you want to be able to um, foster this environment and cultivate this, uh, you know, this space to allow the best um, opportunities for your child to grow, you know, to send them out into the world to become great citizens to the world, right? But I also think about situations where you do have loving parents who, you know, try their best to and do what they can do. And then ultimately, you know, with both parents, the child oftentimes goes off into a different direction that was totally unexpected. You know, do you see those types of kids often? And how, as a psychologist, do you approach that situation when you know that the parents have actually done the things that they could have done and they essentially help to cultivate, uh, you know, what would be uh, perceived as a great environment for these children to prosper? Mm, to be honest with you, I've never really seen that. I, what I find is that there is always something that they have not been doing. Mm. It doesn't, even if they think that they're providing this great environment, it's probably, it probably is great, but they don't talk to their kids about real things. You know, they avoid certain topics. Um, Their kids do not feel comfortable being open with them. The parents who maybe don't even have much in terms of finances, resources, but have good relationships with their children. They talk to them about sex. They talk to them about drugs in a real way, not just don't do it. Um, Those are the parents that have the most success with their children. The ones that give them everything, but then maybe are just way too strict without being honest are the ones that tend to have the children who they feel, okay, I'm giving them everything. And then all of a sudden, they go down this path. It's not, I I really haven't seen that. Not when everyone is honest and opens up about what they are and aren't doing. For sure, for sure. You know, obviously the best best environment would be uh, environments where you have both parents that are there. Uh, You know, in your experience, have you seen children who have grown up with just one parent and um, literally end up being the best product uh, possible where you would even question, man, if they had two parents, you know, how would they actually turn out? Has that ever been part of your experience? Oh, yes, absolutely. There are so many students that are resilient and very mature. And a lot of them, a lot of times their parents may still be struggling with the fact that 
maybe um, the father is incarcerated or the father passed away or left and the, the child is the one comforting the parent like no mom we got this we don't need him and you know they work hard and they excel um, of course they do need that emotional support just because you know that is not the way things were constructed to be and so they are missing something um, and that is okay they just need to understand that and and get it however they can but it doesn't stop them from being successful and it's a beautiful thing to see. There are so many single parents that raise amazing children. And those parents are, are aware of the shortcomings. And I think a lot of them do try to get their children maybe a mentor or en enroll them in certain programs where they do have um, input from maybe a male or, or a female if they don't have that in the home, they don't have a, a parent in the home. Sure, sure, interesting. I want to pivot now into and get your perspective on uh, this conversation I had with a, with a good friend of mine, uh, Naeem. We talked about two weeks ago about this concept of, uh, you know, how society has confused choosing yourself first mm -hmm. with selfishness. You know, and I thought it was a very interesting question when Naeem posed it, but I wanted to get your perspective. You know, what are your overall thoughts on this and how can we choose ourselves without necessarily coming off as what society would say is selfish. I see. Okay. Well, there is a difference between choosing yourself and being selfish. And usually it's the energy behind it. So if someone is being selfish, it's, it's usually pretty malicious in a sense where they want to trump someone else or they, they don't care about the other person and how whatever they're doing is affecting someone else versus um, wanting to preserve themselves for whatever reason. And I don't know if, if what you're saying is in a sense where people are becoming maybe self-indulgent because that is maybe what I see as more of an issue, um, not necessarily being selfish, but maybe overly indulgent. <laughs> Due to, to feeling like, okay, well, I'm loving myself and I have self-love, so I'm going to do all these things to the point where I don't care that, you know, I have responsibilities or I'm overspending or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but there is a fine line. And I think it's mostly just with boundaries, being able to be kind and be giving and help people and, um, be an asset, but then know when to pull back and have those boundaries to say, okay, I need my time. I need, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not going to go on a date with you today because I just want to sit at home and relax. You know, um, it's not being selfish. It's, it's self-caring. It's caring for yourself. Um, but it's really, to me, the energy behind what you're doing. Are you doing it to, to make it seem like, you know, you're above something and you know you don't have to do that or are you doing it because this is something that you need and it really comes down to balance absolutely you know so with someone like yourself who um you know if you if you guys check out her uh youtube ch uh channel um you know you have thousands and thousands of followers and people that you're constantly pouring into right mm -hmm. and you know there's this notion of you know being able to pour into 
people when your cup is full you know always make sure that your couple's cup is full as well so for you in particular how do you how do you ensure that your cup is full you know who is in your life that's actually pouring into you to make sure that you have the strength and energy to continue to your life's work that's a great question i rely on my family um i have a wonderful support system in terms of being able to to get that encouragement and that that boost. Um, so I have my fiance who's very supportive and will encourage me to take breaks when he sees that I'm really stressed. He'll say, you know, maybe, maybe this week you shouldn't do anything on social media and just relax. Or uh, my mother, um, she's also a psychologist. And um, so she really understands the things that I have to listen to and the things that I have to process and deal with. And she always encourages me to take breaks and gives me the tools to say no to things. And, you know, sometimes the legal, the legal language to get out of things that maybe are being imposed on me that are not right. Um, I have a wonderful sister who is so encouraging and, you know, a lot of times if I'm feeling stressed and I know, and she knows my capacity. So she'll say, you know what? I know you're stressed. I know you're tired, but just know how much you're helping people. Just know how, how grateful they are to have you. And just, you know, those words really do encourage me and, and it gives me that strength. And then most importantly, God, my relationship with God is the most important thing to me in my life. And that's where I get all of my strength and, and all of my supply. And um, that's the vessel that I use to do everything that I do. Um, I also have a mentor, a woman from my church that I've um, known since I was a child. But a couple years ago, I just wanted to have someone else pour into me from a different background. And so we meet once a month and we have dinner and I'm able to talk to someone that's not in my family, doesn't have any, you know, stakes in anything. And just, she can just listen to me and pour into me as well. And then I have like mentors online and, and books that I read that encourage me. So I have a lot of different ways of, of getting refilled, but I know when to stop. It's so good to hear that you have such a strong support system because, you know, I can only imagine, um, you know, being in your shoes and constantly moving and moving. At some point, you really do have to take a break and, and really realign uh, just to make sure that, you know, the, the, the product that you're providing uh, those who are following you and your supporters is really, you know, as, as good as it could be. You know, so that's, that's great to hear. You're right. It is challenging um, juggling two full-time jobs <laughs> as you know working as a professional and working full-time on youtube and with my podcast it is challenging balancing both i'm not going to sugarcoat that i do have to take lots of breaks from youtube in order to be able to like you said provide that quality content and and really help people um because that's why i'm here just to help and so if I'm not in a good space emotionally, I don't want to be on camera because I feel like they can pick up that energy and I don't want anyone to receive that. So mm. even if I feel like, okay, I want to get this out because I want to help people. If I don't have that, you know, that energy that it's not coming across that way on camera, then I just can't record. So I have to make those decisions for myself, which are hard sometimes. Um, but I feel in the long run, that's, that's what's best for everyone.
For sure. You know, that's so real. I think, you know, when, when you look at how society perceives um, those with influence, right? We oftentimes, you know, we all do this. I do this myself. We oftentimes see a lot of these individuals as people who they, they literally can go from zero to a hundred and they're constantly on a hundred. So it's really refreshing to know that, you know, someone like you um, with the content that you're creating, you literally still, you know, take a step back and you literally still also go through, you know, life challenges as well. And it's almost as if people would think that you're immune to these things, but it's, that's not the case. You know, you, you know, obviously you have cultivated a way of navigating, you know, your various experiences and moving through life with ease, but, you know, the challenges that society faces that does not mean that you're necessarily um, immune to them as well. So that's, that's really good to hear. That's, thank you. That's so important. Honestly, I think that's something that's always bothered me is that people think that because a person maybe has certain accomplishments, because a person looks a certain way, because a person maybe has a certain social status or money, that they don't have issues, that they don't struggle, you know, that it's it just, they make it look easy, but it's not. <laughs> and it's unfortunate because a lot of times those are the people that get ignored. And when they are showing signs of maybe depression or, you know, other just life issues, if they're showing signs of it, people really ignore them um, because they just don't think that that person could be dealing with that. And I think that that is really, really unfortunate, especially for our professionals, our doctors and our, you know, our healthcare providers and attorneys and engineers and all of, all of our professionals, I think really do get underserved in life in general, because people think that they have it together. They have nothing to complain about um, and that everything in their life is always going to work out for them. For sure. What would be your overall message to both men and women who are uh, looking to really increase their confidence in their personal and professional lives? I would say to find your gift, find your gift. Every single person that is on this planet came here with a gift, something that they were supposed to share with the world. It's something that's inside of you that comes naturally to you, something that you may not even realize is a gift, but you're good at it. It could be something as simple as being a great listener or a great communicator, um, but find your gift because that is why you're here and make sure that you are exercising your gift. If you can't do it as a full-time job, then do it on the side and make sure that you're being fulfilled in that way. And eventually it will become, if you want it to be your full-time job, because again, it's, it's your gift. It's something you will be naturally so good at and people will want, want more of it. They'll come to you for it. And um, that to me, is what makes everyone fulfilled in this life is to be able to find their gift and to create and to connect with their, their spiritual side, not ignoring that. That would be my message to everyone. Connect with your creator. For sure. I want to uh, ask you about uh, something that is, is perceived oftentimes as taboo, right? Mm -hmm. You know, in the African-American community, you know, we go through so much, you know, with our families, with our friends, with work, right? And, seeing a mental health professional is oftentimes looked down upon in our community as you know as you know and i wanted to ask you overall kind of looking like the, at the historical um you know things that has led to this you know 
what are your thoughts on this and do you see this changing in the future it you're right it, it is it has been a taboo issue i think that it has gotten a lot better and the more that we talk about it and make it just normalize it the easier it'll be for people to speak about it but i i think especially in the african-american community um just going from maybe starting from like a religious aspect i think from for a long time mental health issues were looked at as having maybe something wrong with you spiritually um and people were afraid um, maybe okay i have demons in me and things of that nature and it scared them to even want to share it and people who had it maybe their families would try and conceal it so other people wouldn't know and it just became something that you were supposed to hide um and in terms of the low-income communities or the african-american communities having so much trauma in our neighborhoods and in our lives a lot of times we're just told and made to seem like we can handle everything and so having a history of handling everything and having a history of feeling like we were um we were capable of tolerating anything made us i think a lot of us feel like we can and should be able to handle things on our own no matter how severe it is and especially as you know as women as black women you know you hear that that term that I really cannot stand hearing, you're a strong black woman. I mean, those terms that are that are said, they make a major difference in the way people see themselves. If you're this strong black woman, then that means you're supposed to be able to handle anything, including your depression and your anxiety and your suicidal thoughts. You're supposed to be able to handle everything because you're strong. And so a lot of labels that we put on ourselves and a lot of things that we tell ourselves in our households, keep us down. Um, but unfortunately, it, it is a systematic thing as well. Just not having access to mental health services as a norm in the school, like maybe in so many other affluent areas, it's it's a norm, it's a luxury, it's a lifestyle to have a therapist, it's, it's a social status to have a therapist, it's like the complete opposite. Um, whereas just recently, lawsuits have been made in school districts. I know Compton was one of them where it's like, okay, these kids are facing trauma every single day in their neighborhoods and they're not getting any mental health services at the school. And if it's something that you received at the school since the second grade, you're not going to look at counseling or therapy as anything, anything, you know, unique. It's just going to be, okay, this is just part of what you do when you experience things. So it's normalizing it in a way where it's integrated into the systems, into schools, into churches, into communities as just another service, like going to the gym. It's the same thing. It's just a, another part of your being. Mm. That is so interesting. You know, I know that, uh, you know, oftentimes we don't, even for those who are quote unquote healthy and don't necessarily need to see a mental health professional, uh, you know, it, 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 it's becoming quite important as well as evident, uh, of the, you know, the reasons why we should be able to have these types of discussions, you know, and uh, that's another area that I think is also taboo. You know, if you don't have something wrong with you, you know, why do I need to see a men mental health provider or, or a mental health professional? But 
you don't necessarily need to have something wrong with you to, to have these discussions because uh, even even just talking to a friend, you know, I, I find how much peace it brings because, you know, you mentioned it uh, earlier. Oftentimes, I think that we don't, um, you know, we don't have people to talk to. We have all the different different voices in our heads and to be able to communicate effectively and express these these thoughts to people. It's like, you know, who can you really depend on? So. I wholeheartedly agree that, you know, we all should at some point be able to go and feel comfortable, you know, uh, seeing a mental health provider and really, uh, I don't want to say talk about your issues, but just just have a discussion and, and see where it goes from there. You're right. And I will say, unfortunately, just, you know, just to be honest, if you are seeking therapy, typically um, through insurance per se, they're going to want to know okay, what's wrong? <laughs> and if you don't give them a reason that is suitable enough to have you see a therapist because of the, because the need is so high, they'll probably put you in, in a group of some sort. And usually people are not really open to doing groups, mm-hmm. but that also becomes an issue where um, they do require you to have something that they consider to be clinical to be able to be seen. And so you're right. Everyone should be able to have that that access and so we need to create spaces where that is more accessible for just normal conversations and just um, thinking through your thoughts and teaching you how to shape your thinking in a way that can help you to be successful and you know just the things that other people again in affluent areas are privy to having Um, because you're right. I mean, you do need people to talk to, and that's that's so important. For sure, because I can talk. I can talk for days. <laughs> I need somebody to just sit back and listen. Just don't even don't even say anything. Just listen to what I got in my mind. And you know, if it if you end up evaluating me as crazy, we can talk about that later. But just let me provide my honest you know, feedback and thoughts. You know, so you're right, and we all need that, and that is. If you have someone like that in your life, that is a blessing. People, I think, don't realize how much of a blessing it is to have someone in your life that is willing to listen. Because again, people, our lives are so busy. We don't, we barely have time to send someone a text message back, let alone have a phone call where we're just listening. Hmm. So we also need to prioritize what's important in life because for a lot of people, they do have friends, but they probably don't have a friend that they think they can just call and have a conversation with, you know, and just talk, you know, after a few minutes, it's like, okay, well, you know, I got to go, or they feel like they're becoming a burden and it is challenging. It is challenging, but it's necessary. Absolutely. What are some of your uh, short-term goals, Dr. Michelle? Short-term, you know, I would say like two to three years, some things that you aim to achieve and also, you know, the 10-year goal. Wow. Uh, Short-term goals. Well, I, I really want to grow my YouTube channel. That's important to me to be able to reach more women and to be able to change the culture in terms of how we as women operate, how we see ourselves, how we conduct ourselves in this world. And um, that for me would be the biggest goal, short-term goals is to grow my YouTube channel and to grow my podcast. Um, I would like in the future to perhaps um, create something like either a film or a book or something else to help women um, to be able to have something that they can kind of take with them. Um, 
so in terms of long-term goals, it would be wonderful to be able to have a platform, whether it's like a, a big podcast or a talk show of some sort or a place where I can invite other people from different walks of life to come share important things that we need to know. Um, because I don't have all of the answers to everything. And we have, we all have knowledge. Every one of us is blessed with so much knowledge and experience. And I want people to be able to share their stories and share their gifts and share their advice. And so just creating a platform of some sort to be able to facilitate those conversations and bring awareness and honesty and truth um, so that we don't feel like we're alone and we can finally get going and start living the way we should be. That's awesome. I mean, you're doing it right now. You know, I mean, everything that you described thus far is really just um, finding a way to provide value to people and you're providing so much value. So, you know, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing the growth. I'm looking forward to seeing how everything continues to manifest for you because, you know, I've, I know you mentioned earlier that your YouTube channel is dedicated to, to women. And I think that's awesome. I think it's very valuable and very needed. But I, as a man, I, I gain an enormous amount of value from watching <laughs> the, the things that you were literally telling women. And I, you know, it's interesting. I think that's one of the things that um, I think that we as men, we also have to be, be able to, as well as willing to um, really um, change our perspective is just because information is being disseminated to a particular group of people does not mean that it's not valuable because from what you were saying in your YouTube channel, I was thinking like about my past relationships, like, wow, I was really dealing with, you know, a feminine woman. I, I did not know what being a feminine woman is. And obviously I'm not a woman, but mm -hmm. if I'm informed on this, it will actually help me better know how to work with her. Right. You know, when she has certain tendencies, why does she have certain tendencies? Oh, this is just naturally who she is. And then, you can kind of just adapt and, and, and fit that to, and I think that overall it would help, uh, you know, help maintain um, the relationship and also have a very good um, relationship overall. So I really do find value in everything that you're, that you're doing. I, and I hope to continue to be able to have this discussion with you. It's, it's really important. Thank you so much. Um, that means a lot to me. It's funny that you say that because I have had a handful of men who do watch my content, who have, reached out and let me know how helpful it was to listen to it. And I mean, they were just blown away by the things that they were learning and they were really grateful for it. And it made me think, wow, it would be awesome if there were men out there that would be willing to have YouTube channels or podcasts where they're also helping men to be quality men in general. I mean, that is something that women have been complaining about for a very long time now and rightly so we as women i feel are just honestly in a lot of ways surpassing in terms of our emotional intelligence in terms of just the way that we are expected to be treated i mean there is a mismatch a serious mismatch and i i do think that men don't get a lot of guidance we as women are always going to find each other and we're always going to support and uplift each other but men don't get a lot of guidance from people who they maybe admire people who are stand-up men who can guide and and shape them especially in the african-american community because most of our men unfortunately are not around um, we do need men to be leaders and to help teach values and, 
etiquette and just making sure that you're, we're not, you're not <laughs> hurting our women that are working so hard on themselves to better themselves. And that's that to me would be a wonderful long time goal to be able to find men out there who are like that and who are willing to be leaders. In addition to that, just learning about women and things that women go through, it is important for men to also watch in terms of understanding things. Something as, as simple yet as serious as postpartum depression, women who just had a baby, a lot of times go through serious emotional challenges and men have no idea like what is going on with them. And it's something that can be predicted and they can be a support and they can help in so many ways. And this is information they can learn before they become a father, knowing that this is something that could happen. Things like that, that women just go through alone, even though it's not something that they should be going through alone because they have a partner. And so just, you know, just being able to understand who you are living with, who you are loving, who you are dealing with is important. And so I appreciate you saying that. And I really hope that more men are willing to, to learn. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Dr. Michelle. We'll, we'll definitely continue to have you on here. Um, it's been such a wonderful um, hour uh, spent on just providing, you just provided so much information. You know, I got to literally go back through this podcast and literally just, you know, get my notes on it and, and, <laughs> and write some things down to, to, as a refresher. You know, so we really appreciate you and we look forward to having you back. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And it was wonderful talking with you. Awesome. Awesome. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Well, that's all for today, my loves. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Dr. A.O. If you would like to visit his podcast, I have all of the information in the information box below to his networking platforms, his travel agency, and his podcast, Back to Basics. He's a really cool guy and he has a lot of great resources and access to lots of amazing things. I hope you all have a wonderful day and I'll talk to you soon. Until next time, this is your host, Dr. Michelle.